Our sermon for this morning is uh, one that I have wanted to preach on for, well, a number of years. And uh, I had not uh, intended to preach on this passage of Scripture. Um, But when I got the call, I thought, that's what I need to do. I'm going to do it. And um, I have taught from it before, but I would like to... uh, preach from it this morning. The title I've given to it is A Matter Between Friends, the book of Philemon, a letter from Paul. Now this morning I will only be covering chapter one of this book. I should hear some laughter, but I didn't get any. There is only one chapter in that book. And uh, I want you to think uh, about uh, this little book little letter. Why is it in the Bible? Why is it uh, placed at the end of Paul's letters? Uh, It's so small, seems like it's pretty insignificant, but I'd like to suggest to you, if you will uh, follow through this morning our our, uh, discoveries here in Philemon, that it is a very important and critical book for a number of reasons. When you talk about the book of Philemon, you cannot help but talk about friendship. So to think of Christ as our friend is to attribute something wonderful about him. Think about that for a moment. Play with that thought in your mind. The one who saved us, the one who created us, The one who is seated on the throne calls us his friend. When we pray, we pray to the King Almighty, to Christ who is exalted and seated in uh, infinite glory, and he still says, you're my friend. That is uh, what we want to consider as we go through this little book. Um, If we call Christ our friend, and he calls us his friends, it's important that we look at what the word friend means. We use it all the time. We hopefully have friends, but do we really know what that means? Our, Our word for friend comes from the Old English word freond. I guess that'd be how you would pronounce it, freond. But what it means is freed one. That's what friends do. True friends set us free to be ourselves, yet they still love and accept us. That should be a beginning place to understand what it means to be a friend, And to have a friend. That's the kind of friendship that Christ has with us. Now, earthly friendships set each other free. Free to love and free to be loved. Friendships um, are an important part of our life. But to have a friend, you must what? Be a friend. There are people who say, I don't have any friends. And one of the questions I have to ask them is, uh, are you a friend? 
Um, we need to think about that. That means that we must be initiators of friendships and relationships and not just receivers. We must see relationships for what we can give to others rather than what we can get from them. Friendships are built on trust and loyalty. If they are not there, that cannot be a close and enduring friendship. We could share with our friends what's on our hearts and be confident that we will be accepted by them. In other words, what is said in confidence remains confident. Friends actively listen. They listen to the joys and the sorrows that we have without interrupting or judging us. They are intensely listening to what we're saying. Friends give us space. They give us space to grow. Space to become all that God wanted us to be. They don't suffocate us. They don't suffocate us with unrealistic expectations or demands on how to prove our friendship. They don't make time demands on us. They set us free. Let me just say this now. If you have a friend that you call a friend, and your friendship is based on demands and expectations, not wanting you to be with other people, like even in marriage. We should be able to allow each other and encourage each other to have friends with those of the same gender. I want to correctly say that. Guys need friends. And so do uh, the wives and the women in our life. They need to have friendships. It completes us. It helps us become uh, what I think God wants. Friends can speak a timely word without being brutally honest or destructive. I've heard some people say, why is your friend? I'm going to tell you what I think of you. And then they just devastate you. Um, But a friend knows how to come at the right time with the right words to help in this friendship. Friends, therefore, are trustworthy. When they make a commitment, they keep it. You can count on them. And they walk into our lives when others walk away. That's a friend. They set us free. And the great thing about friends is they're able to make us laugh. Able to make us laugh at things that might seem kind of crazy to others. But also, they weep with us when we are brokenhearted. Mark Twain, not a particular evangelical person, had some great things to say, though, about friendship. He said, to get the full value of joy, we must 
have someone to divide it with. If you want to have the fullness of joy, you need someone to divide it with, share it with. Friends encourage us. They encourage us to do the right thing and not necessarily what's expedient or easy. That's why it's good to have a friend when you're making decisions. And it's good to have a friend that you love and know you, they love you. That when you are about to make a decision that may not be right, or they see you erring, they can come to you and say, you know what, I want to say, suggest you're in danger territory. Consider where you're going. Friends refresh us. They renew us. They help bring restoration to our lives. They don't deplete and they don't drain us. Often by making those demands that we talked about. That are constantly thinking only about themselves and not about the other person. You see, friends look for the good in others. And they hope for the best in them, but they accept them even at their worst. Matter of fact, you could even say some of the things we're talking about should describe a marriage. To be married to your best friend. Where that kind of love and friendship is given and received. To look for the good. Sometimes you have to really look. And keep looking. You have to hope for the best. Sounds like I'm talking about parenting, doesn't it? Look for the good in others, hope for the best, and accept them at their worst. Now, I think I have also just described the kind of love that my golden retriever has for me. (laughs) That guy loves me. He never talks back. (laughs) He wants to be by my side. And if he senses that I'm discouraged or something, tends to come over and sit down with by me. Barney's a pretty good-sized guy now. Uh, he comes and sits by my side, and uh, we watch the Lakers. I don't know, something about the yellow and blue or something that he loves. He just sits there with me, and he's looking at that. And uh, I have a, pan- a companion. I have a, a buddy. That's just the dog. By the way, maybe I can come back sometime again and talk or teach on will dogs be in heaven? But that's for a topic for another day. Dogs, I truly think, are a gift from God. I do. And uh, one of the reasons for this gift is friendship. It's uh, not a coincidence that we sometimes refer to dogs as man's best friend. And there's a reason for that. But as we look at this book, this small letter, that's the kind of friendship that we describe between the Apostle Paul and a man by the name of 
Philemon. They had a relationship that did not require them to be together. They could be apart, be far away, and still have a great friendship. And this friendship is not only going to be talked about, but it's going to be the appeal of the apostle to his friend. An appeal to do something that would be very difficult. And that's what our story is about. This short postcard to Philemon was written while Paul was held captive in Rome. I I think that these times, these difficult times for the apostle made friendships even that much more important. He was alone at times. And as we'll see, he's not alone at times, even in, in prison. His words in this letter are very forthright. They're personal and they're affirming, which is what friends do. And this was typical of the apostle. Now let's look at the first three verses. I have them up here for you. But I encourage you to have your own Bible out or use your uh, iPad or whatever you have. Because I think it's important to look. This is like a postcard. And it really is sent with an incredible historic significance. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. Right away, he's not alone, is he? To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This tiny book has more significance than we would think because it seems not as weighty as some of Paul's letters to the Romans and the Ephesians and so forth. But it's often overlooked because it seems so small. And so kind of personal dialogue or or communication between two friends. But it has much to teach us about friendships. Friendships that are honest and yet loyal. It also has much to teach us about grace and forgiveness. Which is important for friends. Paul's letter is sincere It's caring, and it is yet very frank. See, friends can talk that way. Um, This kind of friendship was made possible because of Christ. Their relationship with Christ is what bound them together. They were both liberated set free by grace. But they are both captivated by the love of Christ. You know, that's the best kind of friendship to have. Where two or more people have the same love for Christ. Um, This letter was hand-delivered. 
hand-delivered to Philemon by his runaway slave. Now just imagine this slave comes back and hands to his former master this scroll. It'll be a small one. This scroll. Can you imagine what the servant's feeling like? Can you imagine what the master, Philemon, is thinking? I imagine that the slave is afraid. Will he be accepted? Will he be rejected? Will he be put in prison and killed? And the master, Philemon, may have initially received his slave with anger. How dare you steal my possessions and then go off and leave me? Could that have been what he was thinking? You see, this was an environment that Philemon may have been in as this letter was delivered to him. But this letter, as he began to open it up, he can see that it is from the apostle. Paul. These men had been together, served together, and they could call each other friends. He, Paul, was to Philemon the most admired and respected man in his life. They had this proven relationship and they had a common bond and that bond was Christ. Now Paul began this tiny letter claiming that he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. However, when you read this introduction, it says actually something very different. You see, this letter was written in AD 61 while he was under house arrest in Rome. He was there because there were false accusations made, not in Rome, but even in Jerusalem and other places that somehow through God's providence landed him in uh, Rome, in prison, and his crimes were going to be not just investigated, but accused of these crimes and ultimately will bring about his death. Now, one would have, uh, how would I say, expected Paul to write his letter and say, Paul, a prisoner in Rome. That's true. But instead he wrote, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. It's kind of an interesting way to put it. In other words, what he says, I'm captivated For Jesus Christ. His imprisonment came as a result of being captivated for his love of Christ and the love of the gospel. He was under house arrest, yet there were friends who were able to visit him and tend to his needs. Because this letter will suggest that. Timothy, his beloved son in the faith, stood by his side Till the end of Paul's life. That's what friends do. Mentioned at the end of this letter. Are the names of others. 
who were there with Paul. There was Epaphras. He was a fellow prisoner, it said, and a faithful minister in Christ. He's known for his prayer ministry. So here's Paul in prison. Timothy's standing by his side, and he's got Epaphras. That's the friend who prays. Praise for him. Praise for the churches. Praise for the church of Colossae. We learned that there was also a man that's familiar to us. His name was John Mark. He was there. At one time, he had abandoned Paul on his first missionary journey. Yet, he was restored. He was restored to fellowship with Paul because of the ministry of a man by the name of Barnabas. And Mark later wrote the gospel that bears his name. Think of who now is around Paul. Some of the very people who are going to write epistles. There were also other fellow workers mentioned like Aristarchus. He was a faithful companion, we're told, who traveled with Paul on several missionary journeys. And both he and Paul had been imprisoned together when they were in Ephesus. So here's a brother, here's a friend who had shared experience. Both had been in prison together. Both of these men had a commitment to Christ. And his gospel. Demas is mentioned. He's listed as a fellow worker of Paul. Previously he too had abandoned Paul. Because it says he loved the world more than he loved the gospel. But here he is. He is here in Rome. Loyal and committed to Paul. Notice this cast around him. They're friends. They've worked through stuff. Battled together. Been rejected and then come back together. What binds these people together? How can these friends be, how would I say, this close? What's the answer? It's Christ. When you're captivated by the love of Christ, it'll set other people free. Those are the kind of people you want to be around. Those are the kind of people you want to marry. The people that set you free to be yourself and still love you and accept you. There's also a name that's familiar to us, and his name is Luke. He was there, he was Paul's longtime friend physician and author of the gospel by that name. These were Paul's friends in his, in some ways, darkest hour. God was using this darkest hour to be the, if you would, sort of the homeland of the gospel. From the prison came out these incredible letters that we read and we treasure. And these men were around him. I believe God had, in his good providence, brought together these friends to surround Paul 
who needed a friend. They were the very definition of a friend. Wow, if you have friends, one friend like that, if you have a cast of friends, you are truly, truly blessed. This letter was written to Paul's friend Philemon. He was a faithful friend and fellow worker who founded a church in his own home of Colossae. His name fit his relationship with Paul. What does the name Philemon mean? The affectionate one. The person who is set free by his love and his attitude to others. Paul also greeted a sister there in Christ named Aphia. And likely she was Philemon's faithful wife or a close friend. Then Paul says that they are to greet Archippus, who is described as a fellow soldier. That's a fellow soldier for the gospel. This may have been Philemon's son or a dedicated elder or minister in the church of Colossae. And Philemon and his family likely came to know Christ during Paul's three-year ministry in Ephesus. They're not too far apart, Ephesus and Colossae. So in other words, Philemon and his family are the fruit of Paul's teaching and preaching. If a man is known by the friends that he keeps, Paul was truly a rich man. I'd like to say to you, I am a truly rich man. Blessed beyond anything I deserve. And part of that blessing is friends. Over the years, I've gained many good friends. I have a number of very intimate friends. I have friends around the world now. And they are my friends. They risk their lives, in many cases, to protect me. Why? Why do that? Why risk their lives in China when I go? It's, it's not because I'm a great guy. It's because we share a common bond for, bond for Christ and the gospel and the love of those who have never heard And the love of the church. That's what binds people together. By the way, if you don't mind me inserting something, that's why you're here. Because somehow Christ has bound us together. That's a God thing. It's a thing he does. So Paul sends him this most uh, powerful blessing. Grace And peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. God's work that set us free from the curse. And now we have peace. 
peace with God. And he's hoping and praying that they will have peace and grace within their church. To be gracious to each other. And to be at peace. This letter was delivered to Philemon by a runaway slave whose name is Onesimus. Now Onesimus was Philemon's former slave who ran away apparently with some stolen goods and he went to Rome. Under Roman law, there was a warrant out for his arrest, dead or alive. Roman law was severe on runaway slaves. I found an example of how severe it can be. In one of the laws it said if a slave murdered his master, even in self-defense, and there were, let's say, another hundred uh, innocent slaves in the same master's household, all would be killed. One man sins, all die. Ironically, Onesimus was no longer useful to his servant, or to his master, rather, even though his name meant useful one. It's kind of an interesting story when you hear about the names. Philemon is one who has affection. Now you have a runaway slave who is not useful, but was called useful. But by God's good providence, he found Paul in Rome. We don't know how he got there. And there Paul led him to Christ. And he became useful. He became useful to the master. But also to Paul. And he was going to be useful to the church. And that's what this letter is all about. So as Paul took up his pen to write on that parchment, to write a little postcard to Philemon, guess what he began to do? Pray. Paul was grateful for his friend and his fellow workers. And these are the words he gives to us. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Paul here now reminds his friend that he frequently remembered him in prayer. You see, prayer is one of the greatest ways to show our friendship, to show our love for someone. It was Paul's daily practice to pray for those he loved and those that he had served with. That's one of the ways he showed his deep appreciation for them. Those he loved, he prayed for. 
This is a practice that we could all adopt. To daily pray for each person in our family, as well as for our friends inside and outside of the church. Make that our practice. When you think of them, you pray for them. Now here's the beauty of this friendship between Paul and Philemon. They both made it their life purpose to serve Christ by serving others. Fellow soldiers. Fellow workers. While in prison, Paul received many reports about the churches that he had planted. He couldn't get out to see them. Some reports we know were weighty on him. He heard of infighting in Philippi. He also heard of Corinth's struggles to restore an erring brother. And other times he learned of the death of fellow Christians who had died for their faith. So when he got a report from Philemon, he was greatly encouraged. Philemon was a good man. His house church in Colossae was apparently healthy and growing. But what encouraged him the most was to hear of two things. Love and faith. When I hear about you, my friend, I hear those things that you are a man of love. And you're a man of faith. They're treasured characteristics. And that's who you are. That's why Paul is is encouraged by this man because he's taking leadership. And he's characterized by love and faith. And not just to a few, he says, to all the saints. This man was a man who stayed faithful to the gospel. Stayed faithful to Paul. For sure, this man encouraged Paul. Just like John, when he writes, I find no greater joy than to hear that you're continuing in the gospel. To hear that your kids in faith, or your own children, that are continuing in the love and faith of Christ brings great encouragement. It did to the apostle, it does to me. Therefore he prayed. He prayed Philemon's faith would continue to affect more and more people as he became aware of all that God had put into him, all the goodness that God had given to him. You see, that's... A friend saying, I see all this love and I see the faith that you have. And you have so much that God has put in you that's good. That's what friends do. Good friends are not afraid to tell each other how much they care. How much they appreciate them. They see the untapped potential. That sometimes we forget. Paul was also filled with joy to hear how Philemon had refreshed people with his love and faith. This is a 
A guy who never drained, he refreshed, restored, renewed. Some people, they drain us because of their peculiarities and their constant set of problems. Some test our patience and our love. But fortunately, there are some relationships, and hopefully you have some, that refresh and renew you. They are positive people who rejuvenate us and give us the strength to go on. Philemon was one of those refreshing friends. If we have at least one of these refreshing people in our lives, be grateful for them. Cherish them. Encourage encourage them. And what else? Pray for them. I am a blessed man. And I have some very, very close, what I would call intimate friends who care deeply about me and my ministry. And we're not together very much. But when we're together, it's like instantaneous connection again. You don't have to be together all the time to still have great friends. They can be far away. You come back together and it's just like you haven't missed anything. That's the kind of friendship that these two men had. If you don't have a friend like that, pray for that. And be a friend like that to somebody else. Now Paul comes to the very heart or the purpose of this letter. He is going to test their friendship. Their bond. He's going to do it for the good of a man, a servant, a slave, a runaway. And he's going to do it for the good of the gospel. But it's going to test the friendship that these two men have. Here's the scripture. Here's what it says. Accordingly, after he's done his introduction, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner, also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child. Who is his child? Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless, but now he's indeed useful to you and to me. His name now has become the reality. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. Onesimus is expressing the very heart of the apostle. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but by your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, 
as a beloved brother. Especially to me. But how much more to you. Both in the flesh and in the Lord. Notice the apostle has tested this friendship. Tested their faith and love. His request was made on behalf of a runaway slave named Onesimus. Paul is making a powerful plea for Philemon to forgive and restore his former slave who had stolen from him. Paul was a bold man. He didn't waste words. With his authority as an apostle of Jesus Christ, he could have commanded Philemon, I'm commanding you to forgive and restore Onesimus. But he didn't. What did he do? Well, instead, he appealed. He appealed to his friend's conscience on the basis of their mutual love for Christ and their understanding of the gospel. Paul made an astonishing admission here. His appeal was as a father pleading for his friend to accept his newfound son. Paul met Onesimus while he was in prison. There he came to know Christ. He who was once useless had become now useful. And Paul says, I would have loved to have kept him with me. He was so useful to me. He could have served me and done much good. But I sent him back to you, Philemon. He said, it's like sending my own heart to you. It's part of my heart. This man is part of my heart. What I treasure is a servant who's now become useful. Things had changed. Onesimus had changed. He was now a brother in Christ. Paul, however, didn't want to keep Onesimus without Philemon's permission. There was a debt to pay. There was a relationship to be restored. So Paul was going to, not going to compel Philemon to do this, but to, on the basis of love and faith and grace, receive him back. Paul also appealed to Philemon to recognize that God's good providence was at work in their lives. Now think about this. God had used Onesimus' sin to be the reason why he left his master to go to Rome. Who does he meet in Rome? The apostle. He's with Paul. And the Lord brought Onesimus to Paul. And Paul led him to Christ. Now Paul is sending Onesimus back to Philemon. God's at work. You see, sometimes as friends, we need to um, to remind each other that God's providence is good. What we may be going through in prison or difficulty may hurt, may be very difficult. But friends, come alongside, stand with you and say, you know what? Could this be? Part of God's good providence? It was even, he even used the sin of Onesimus 
to bring about ultimate good. That's what our God can do. Even the adversity was going to work for good. God was working all things together for good. It was a call to forgive. How? Forgive as God had forgiven Philemon. Paul's plea came also with the offer of reparation or payment. Here's what he said. So if you consider me your partner, and that's what he said, partner, that's kind of companion, a friend. Receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self, your own life. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Paul was offering more than just to forgive Onesimus. His friendship with this young man, and I think he was young at that time, was willing to personally pay for anything that had been stolen from his master. In essence, he was saying, put all Onesimus' sins On my account. Does that sound familiar to you? What does that sound like? The gospel. (laughs) That's how Paul's living. If this man has uh, committed a a sin and he owes you, I'll take it, I'll take his sin on my part and pay that part for you. That's exactly what Christ did for us. We never could have paid it back. All right, what we owe God. And that's why Christ came, to fully pay for our sin, fully, completely, forever, all our sin. He put all of our sin on his account, and then what did he do? Put all his righteousness back on ours. Think of that. What did I give God when I came to Christ? My sin. And what did he give me? Grace. Righteousness. Forgiveness. Eternal life. Paul wanted to be refreshed again by hearing that Philemon had forgiven and accepted Onesimus back as a brother. Now an obedient response was expected. He was confident, he says. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. He knew the heart of Philemon. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me. I hope I get out of prison. I hope I get to come back. For I am hoping that through your prayers. Now, look at I've been praying for you, Philemon. Please pray for me that I can get out of this place. That I could come back and I'd have a room in your house and I could be there with your church. For I'm hoping that through prayers I will be graciously given back to you 
Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark and Aristarchus and Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Christ be with your spirit. This is how he closes it. Paul was confident that Philemon would do what was right. This letter, as I said, is an important book in the Bible. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been there. I want you to hear the second chapter that's not in the Bible. (laughs) What happened to this guy, Onesimus? Who is this guy? Why Why do we need to read a little letter like that? Let me listen carefully. Our story of him doesn't end here. It's the background to the power of the gospel. It's a testimony to how those who have been slaves to sin can be set free. For those who were useless, who now have become useful. The Bible doesn't record if Onesimus ever returned to Paul. However, we do know that he returned to Philemon to deliver Paul's letter. It's here. Later, Paul, in his letter to the church at Colossae, even mentioned Onesimus. And guess how he mentions him? Faithful, beloved brother who is one with you. That's what the early church was like. Servants, runaway servants who came to know Christ through God's good providence. Church history also fills in more about what happened. It's not scripture, but I think quite reliable church history. Tells us more about Onesimus. And it would make sense why this little letter is in here. Fifty years out of after this letter, Philemon's letter, a church, early church father by the name of Ignatius wrote to the church at Ephesus before he was martyred. And in his letter, he spoke about the greatness of the bishop of Ephesus. And his name was, you guessed it, Onesimus. Think of that. The guy who is the runaway slave goes to Rome, meets Christ, discipled by Paul, goes back, restored, forgiven, becomes a part of the church. He's helpful to the church, useful to the church, and he becomes the bishop over the church at Ephesus. Wow. Now it's also of interest to see this letter to Philemon in the Bible. Onesimus knew firsthand that this letter and the letter to the Colossians came directly from Paul's pen because he's the one who delivered those two letters. So why is it in the Bible? Because one, he had hand-delivered it, and as well as the letter to Colossians. But it's also believed, and this is interesting, that all Paul's letters were collected in what city? Ephesus. (laughs) About the time that 
Onesimus would have been there. And he affirmed to the church that these truly were the works of Paul and the works of others that he had been with, like John Mark, like Luke. Who better to testify and oversee the collection of Paul's letters than this man Onesimus? All the other apostles have died. He had been with Paul and he knew that he wrote these letters. Now let me kind of summarize our thoughts here. God worked all these things together for good. Good for the friends and good for the gospel. This letter in this story is an example of Christian love and friendship. It's a call to pray for one another. It's a testimony to the triumph of grace over guilt. It's a reminder that Christ has made us his friend. I still, I'm sorry, I cannot get that in my mind yet. I can believe that I am a child of God, yeah. I can believe that uh, I'm going to be a citizen of heaven. But to think that the one seated on the throne, the creator of the universe, is calling me a friend? I'm sorry, friends, I can't quite get a hold of that. I know what I get out of the relationship, but I don't know much that he gets out of mine. He has set us free. Set us free from sin, guilt, and death. It's life-changing to know that Christ is not only our Savior, but he's also our friend. And friends enjoy each other. To think he enjoys me? To think he enjoys my prayers? He enjoys me when I've still failed, fallen? What kind of love is that? It's the kind of love that you see on the cross. That's what you see. That's the kind of love that Paul and Philemon had. And what Paul was saying, now show that same kind of love to our brother. Yeah, he's a sinner. The death, he had a death warrant out for him. The wages of sin is death. But now offer him grace. Just what the church needs to know. This matter came, this letter came as a matter of concern by Paul for Onesimus and for his love for Philemon. May grace triumph over guilt. Let's be captivated by the love of Christ. His love for me And be captivated by your own love for Christ. I'm so glad that little letter's there. I don't know if you've ever thought about that book. But it was a way of authenticating the scriptures. 
who's a way of teaching us how to forgive what it's like to have friends. Friends who can count on each other. Friends to be there when you're going through a tough time. But to have friends like that, what? You need to be a friend like that. Let's ask Christ to so captivate our hearts with his love and grace that we become that way with each other. In our marriages, our family, in the church especially. May grace triumph. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this little book. It's little in length, but it is powerful. An example of so many things, but especially the way that you loved us. You forgave us. You set us free. Lord, how awesome it is to be liberated. And we pray that we will realize this morning this great thing that you have done for us. You sent your son to put on his righteous account all of my sin, past, present, and future. And then he makes the great exchange and grants back to us all of his righteousness. We are so grateful for that this morning. I pray for those who are here who are perhaps in need of a friend, a good friend. And I pray, Lord, that you will become that friend to begin with, to know that we're set free by you. You have triumphed over our guilt. Thank you, Father, that your son has become our friend. The one seated on the throne and to whom all the host of heaven is bowing and worshiping is crying out to us this morning. To those who have placed their faith in him, he's saying, friend, you're my friend. These are truths that are hard for us to comprehend. I pray, Father, for those who are in need of friendships, that you will also, by your good providence, bring them into contact with people who can be close, good, loyal friends. We need them in our lives. If there are marriages in which friendship is is lacking, Lord, I pray that you'll build that friendship, build that love, And we know that the only way that can happen is if you do the work. Heart surgery. May your Holy Spirit teach us how to love, how to forgive. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.